Today's podcast is brought to you by the 2020 Philadelphia Conference on Reformed Theology. Register now at AllianceNet.org. Stay tuned after the podcast for more about what may be our most popular conference to date. This is Theology on the Go, a brief interview about an eternal truth. The conscience is a witness bearer. It's not one over which we have some kind of um, exclusive sovereignty. It often speaks when we wish it would not. Hello and welcome to Theology on the Go. I am Jonathan Master and I am joined here with Dr. James Dolezal. James, how are you? Jonathan, I'm well. Thanks. This is one of those episodes where we get to discuss an issue just between the two of us. And uh, it's one that we've kicked around a little bit offline, but I think it might be perhaps helpful for us to clarify some of our own thoughts uh, with our listeners. And it has to do with the notion of the conscience. And particularly, that's that's a broad topic. And I know you've done some work on it in the past, but Specifically, I want to talk about ministering with a clear conscience and then maybe ministering perhaps with a conscience that's not clear. And and as a jumping off point, we could look, for instance, at Paul's words in Acts 24, and he echoes this, by the way, in in the Corinthian epistles, but he's describing um, his own uh, ministry, and he, he talks about his worship of God, and, and in, in the middle of this, he says, in, in Acts 24, 16, so I always take pains to have a clear conscience toward both God and man. And he frames his own efforts and labors in the gospel in terms of having a clear conscience toward God and man. And then he brings that up again with the Corinthians saying, I serve God with a clear conscience and I'm ministering with a clear conscience and I strive to hold the faith with a clear conscience. So let's start with that. What's the importance of a clear conscience in the context of ministry? I have a couple thoughts, but I want to I want to hear your thoughts as well. Well, let me say this first with regard to the conscience itself. The conscience is a witness bearer. This is how Paul talks about it in Romans 2. The conscience is something that either can vindicate you or can condemn you. It's um some I think one Puritan, probably many Puritans have called it God's vicegerent or his deputy in the soul. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a moral capacity of the mind to evaluate one's own actions and to even pass judgment on them. And it's the conscience sort of operates independent even of our wishes for it because the conscience condemns us when we wish it would be silent. Mm-hmm. Um, and the conscience inversely can give us peace and confidence when our conduct deserves approbation or approval. So the conscience is a witness bearer. It's not one over which we have some kind of exclusive sovereignty. It often speaks when we wish it would not. And when it speaks against us, when it convicts us of sins done, it can be paralyzing and not a small source of discouragement. And as far as Christian service goes, we should say that a conscience that is plagued by guilt, that voice um, that is speaking not falsely but truthfully about our failures morally is something that can actually inhibit our flourishing and our fruitfulness as Christians in service to the Lord. We feel, maybe even rightly, 
unworthy of this high calling as Christians. And, and that touches on something important about the conscience, which is it is not infallible. It, it, right. it, it may, in fact, be, uh, well, we know that we can sear our consciences to such a degree that perhaps they are, they are not alerting us when, in fact, we should be alerted to the effects of sin. Uh, repeated sin can, in a sense, wear down the conscience. It's a delicate instrument. And, and then on the other side, it could perhaps burden us unnecessarily. Paul talks about weaker brethren who are condemned presumably by their consciences when in fact God's law doesn't condemn them. Yeah, and in that case, it's not so much that the conscience is faulty, but rather the standard by which conscience is left to function is confused. Right. Um, something like something like that. So the conscience works well, but it needs to be fed and supplied with a right standard of righteousness. But even when it, even when it is supplied by a right standard of righteousness, the Christian can often feel the pangs of conscience because of our failure to live up to that true light of God's law within us. Right. So you talked about conscience being uh, a clear conscience, being important for the flourishing of our ministries, uh, contributing to our fruitfulness even in ministry, which Paul again refers to it on many occasions in the New Testament. Now, I want to pivot slightly because we've looked before with Dr. Ferguson at the selected writings of Hugh Martin. It's entitled Christ Victorious. And in that book published by the Banner of Truth, and we discussed the book before in a previous interview, but in that book, there are some letters that Hugh Martin writes to, in some cases, fellow ministers. And in one of them, it caught both of our attention it is entitled Serving with a Guilty Conscience. And the reason it caught my attention was because I thought that seems to be the opposite of what the Apostle Paul describes. And I think it caught your attention for similar reasons. So let's talk about that. Paul wants to serve with a clear conscience. You and I are in agreement that serving with a clear conscience is beneficial. It's good. It's what we should strive for. But what about serving with a guilty conscience? And I think what Hugh Martin, in addressing in this little letter at the end of the volume he mentioned, is addressing is someone asking, how can I serve with a guilty conscience? And I think in, in short, his answer would be, well, as long as it's burdened by this guilt, your service is going to be intermittent, perhaps ineffective, inhibited, mm-hmm. um, and so that really, to serve well, something needs to be done about this guilt. And what he does, and really there are two ways, I think, in Scripture that we can approach this, and both of them are are needed. The passage that you opened with in Acts 24, Paul talks about the pains that he takes to keep his conscience from even becoming guilty, um, to make sure that he lies down every night with a clear conscience. Um, On the other hand, though, in so much as none of us is, Paul included, perfectly effective in our efforts to keep the law or to live Godward lives, um, what do we do about the guilt? Because there are days, perhaps many of them, where conscience, even a sensitive, non-seared conscience, quickens us and convicts us about wrongdoing. Um, What can we do about that? Two things. uh, Paul would say, um, you know, 
confess your sin, repent. That's the one side. What Martin addresses is the other side of how Jesus himself acts to take care of the guilt of conscience. And he makes some interesting arguments. He doesn't want to say Jesus himself had a guilty conscience for you, but he gets very close to that. He wants to say Jesus as sin bearer did have guilt, not his own, but yours. And Jesus as man did have a conscience so that Christ had guilt and Christ had a conscience and short of saying that he had conscious, he had he had conscience afflicting him for his own guilt. He doesn't say that for good reason, but he wants to say that Christ was someone who had conscience, and Christ was someone that bore guilt, and that Christ has acted in his atoning work to effectively deal with that guilt that conscience truly testifies to, with regard to our own moral standing. I think this is helpful today because I think many people and many people who are engaged in ministry are afflicted by guilty consciences, and in many cases, rightly so, because we're aware of our own sinfulness, we're aware of our own frailties, we're aware of our own weakness, and so that in one sense is a good thing, and yet the way that is often dealt with makes the problem far worse because recognizing that it is a great burden People will try to simply suppress it, ignore it, find ways to distract themselves, find ways to deal with it that don't actually address it head on with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I think that's why this letter is so helpful, because what Martin does is he doesn't say, oh, that's okay, we're all sinners, or oh, that's okay, you're not as bad as some other people I've met, you're just kind of being too hard on yourself. He actually takes it on with the gospel of Christ. So I, I think, though, he doesn't exposit it in terms of Hebrews 9. Hebrews nine fourteen. how much more than will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works? And then there's this, then he says, to serve the living God. Having your conscience dealt with by the blood of Christ is, in fact, meant to liberate you to serve God with confidence. A guilty conscience is always looking over its shoulder. It is paralyzed by fear, um, and not wrongly so. A guilty conscience um, is a terrible thing, and it's a paralyzing thing. And to serve Christ with a whole heart and with confidence and with joy is going to require having that guilt dealt with. The cross of Christ is meant to cleanse our consciences from dead works. And this is an interesting thing that Martin says, sort of tapping into that, that Christ is, well, I'll I'll read you his words. He says, the answer then to your question, how can I serve Christ or his church while I have an unpurged conscience, is just this. He who is Lord of thy conscience is also the balm, the cure, the peace, yea, the everlasting relief and health of it. So that I began in our conversation by saying that some Puritans talk about the conscience as God's deputy in the soul. It's not just that God is the Lord, you know, the sheriff, and conscience is his deputy doing his bidding, but that he is also the great physician who has designed a way to make our conscience clean and free and liberated, not by suppressing our conscience— but by giving us a clean conscience and a clean bill of health through the work of Christ Jesus. 
that doesn't negate what you began with, with Paul saying, um, I take pains to keep my conscience clean. I think it's something like, shall we sin that grace may abound? May it never be. We don't defile our consciences so that we can simply say, Jesus, you know, Jesus paid it all. We keep our consciences clean out of gratitude and out of conformity to Christ Jesus. But in so much as our conscience convicts us, we have somewhere to go with that, which is not just self-rehabilitation. It's the cross of Christ in which he shed blood to cleanse those consciences. Many people, and I would assume many of our listeners, are, are burdened in these ways. And I think what, what we're both <laughs> driving at is to say that the good news of Jesus Christ has a remedy for that. And, and the Bible speaks of it clearly. If you want to look at this Hugh Martin book for yourself, perhaps win a copy of it, you can go on the uh, Theology on the Go link on Place for Truth. The book is called Christ Victorious. It's a it's a collection of selected writings of great 19th century minister Hugh Martin. And so if you go to the Theology on the Go link, there will be a place for you to enter there to possibly win a, a copy of Christ Victorious. We want to thank you for listening to Theology on the Go. Thank you for recommending it to your friends. If you're able to donate, you can do that on alliancenet.org or placefortruth.org. And we also love hearing from you. So if there are ways that we can help or if there are questions we can answer that we have the opportunity to answer, we'll try to do that. So uh, thank you for listening to Theology on the Go, a brief interview about an eternal truth. For the first time, the Philadelphia Conference on Reformed Theology will focus on a single book of the Bible. Plan now to join Philip Ryken, Derek Thomas, Joel Beakey, and others for Revelation, the Sovereign Reign of the Exalted Christ, March 13th through the 15th in Grand Rapids, and April 24th through the 26th in Philadelphia. This long-awaited conference may prove to be the most popular to date. Register now. Select events at AllianceNet.org to sign up online or call 1-800-488-1888.